The greaser, the hot tamale, the gangster, the maid, the narco. These and other stereotypes are how Hollywood has traditionally portrayed Latinos for over a century. Even as they have become America's largest minority and as their box office clout has increased, these tired tropes continue. We're going to talk about this forever trend with a legend and a beloved star. Captain Adana of Battlestar Galactica and Cruz Ramirez from Cars 3. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the L.A. Times. Today's June 16th, 2021. Joe Biden scheduled to meet Russia President Vladimir Putin in Switzerland. Texas asked residents to reduce use of their electricity as the state's power grid is down a couple of generators. And the Girl Scouts report they have 15 million boxes of unsold cookies. Let's all spend our stimmy on lemonade stat. Edward James almost remains the only Mexican-American ever nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar, all the way back in 1989 for his iconic role as East L.A. math teacher Jaime Escalante in Stand and Deliver. Cristel Alonso was the first ever Latina to create, produce, write, and star in her own sitcom, which aired on ABC in 2015 and was named, of course, Cristela. The two continue to work in Hollywood, almost stars in Mayans MC on Fox, while Alonso wrote a Lifetime Christmas movie that will air later this year. Today, we hear from the two about their triumphs and struggles in Hollywood, an industry beloved by Latinos, even if our depictions have barely changed over the past 100 years. So, Edward, Cristela, thank you for joining me. It's a real pleasure, Gustavo. Thank you. Pleasure to see you, Cristela. Oh, pleasure to see you too, Edward. This is actually, I think, the first time we've ever spoken to each other like, yeah. like this. This is this is part of the problem. They keep us away too often. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I can't believe that, that. This is the first time you folks have ever talked. You know, it, it's kind of like in stand up comedy. Um, the trope is, is that back in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s, if you were a female comic, there was only one of you allowed on the lineup. So a lot of times the female comics wouldn't really get to know each other because we didn't get to share the bill. And a lot of times if you don't have projects where you actually have enough of a diversity to to actually maybe construct a I god forbid a family <laughs> you don't really get to see a lot of other people you know in this industry you know that that's why the stories are so important yeah it's, it's like that highlander quote there can be only one <laughs> <laughs> that's what they tell you right you know actually i think that for me i always feel that that's how people are made to feel but people have to understand that there's room for everyone. But for some reason, a lot of us feel like like it is a competition. And I think that needs to stop. That needs to stop immediately. We have to understand that we're all working together. What do you think, Edward? Well, no, she's hit the nail right on the head. Basically, by not allowing cultures to be expressed, we're limiting the exact understanding of who we are as human beings. But it all comes down to one thing. This is show business. No, man, they're trying to make money. That's it, the bottom line. And they found out that they could make more money using white people than they could any other culture, <laughs> any culture. I don't care who they are. You can get French, you can get German, you can, and they're white, Germans are white, but as soon as they have an accent or something, boom, get them out of the way because they don't, they don't sell tickets around the world. 
Well, well, it's interesting you say that, Edward, because the Motion Picture Association in 2019 found that Latinos in the United States went to the movies 4.7 times that year. That's the highest rate of any ethnic group per capita. Yeah. Yet our stories are not reflecting. It's so interesting because you'll have some like people still tell me it was great to see Cristela's show that it reflected them. Of course, you know, uh, Mi Familia, Iconic, Stand and Deliver, Zoot Suit. Yet networks keep canceling these shows. Zoot Suit was, well, you know, uh, almost 40-some years ago. What does this say about Hollywood that Latinos are these consumers and yet we do not have more shows about Latinos? I mean, it, it's proven that we want to see that. There's going to come a time, and I thought it would be back in the 70s when we did Zoot Suit and all of a sudden it popped open and boom. We hit so hard. It was a shot heard around the world. That single play dealing with the Mexican-American here in the United States of America in the 1940s, 43 in Los Angeles, and and the, the whole culture was seen for the first time. They'd never seen it before. And, and people came from all over the world to see it. And it was amazing how much of an impact it had at this little theater called the Mark Taper right here in downtown L.A. Now, that expression, that feeling got out there to everybody. And we thought the decade of, of the Latino was coming. The 80s were going to be the decade of the Latino because they had found us and, and we were there and, and nothing happened. And I did Miami Vice, and I played uh, one of the leads in it, and nothing ever happened. I did Stand and Deliver. Everybody look at the board. Will someone please read for me what's on the board? Anybody? In 1988, it came out. We did it in 1987. Bingo. It was a huge critical acclaim to picture. It made good money, didn't make great money. Had it made great money, we might have been able to move it a little bit further. But La Bamba then came out, and then came out Selena. The story goes on and on. But it's like we get one shot per 18 months mm. of a story that deals with uh, ethnicity. Whether it be Koreans or whether it be Latinos. Let me tell you, until we get our own studio... Like Tyler Perry's got his own studio now and he's producing incredible work. We need our own studio that creates really authentic entertainment of what this culture has been able to give you. How do we get to that, Cristela? You know, here, uh, first of all, there, it's funny how when you hear someone say something that rings so specifically true to you, it almost hits you on another level emotionally that really catches you by surprise. And I'll say right now, Edward uh, talked about getting an opportunity every 18 months, you know, and I remember when I was doing my sitcom, shooting the sitcom and seeing the problems I had and being able to tell my story and having people judge my life mm. to my face and tell me that my life wasn't real, that it didn't happen that way. I remember I used to tell everybody this show will not be a hit. The show after us, they'll get the chance we didn't get. Because our show is about teaching people how to not judge. And that is somebody's job. That is my job. It shouldn't be my job. I've always said that, you know, when you see a show like Roseanne growing up, you could see that was that life. That was the life of that family. You didn't see the show and think all white mothers are like Roseanne. 
But that's how we are with a lot of like cultural content. We see someone and we think everybody's like that. And we've been conditioned like that. The people that watch it, even people within our own community are critical because they're like, well, that doesn't seem identical to my life. I remember the very first episode of Cristela, the end scene is you and your family gathering around to watch the Dallas Cowboys. And people were like, Mexicans don't like the Cowboys. They like the Raiders. <laughs> yes, and it was, like, it was insane. And I'm like, whoa, you should talk to them in Texas. You know? And it was this thing where, you know, it's interesting because I have to say, you know, uh, to me, Zoot Suit is so important to me when I saw it because I grew up loving theater. I wanted to be on Broadway. That was my dream. My dream was to be on stage. And when I saw Zoot Suit, that was theater with people that looked like me. And that was so incredible. I can't describe it to people how it meant, how much it meant to see a story with people that looked like me on a stage. It was shot like a movie, but it was a play. And that was so powerful that I thought, wow, I can do this. I grew up in a border town. I was a big theater nerd. And I remember my school, we were all Mexican. My freshman year, we did the Diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> you know? An all Chicano cast, yeah, wow. right? All Chicano <laughs> cast of, Anne, of the Diary of Anne Frank. And our teacher made us research, like the Holocaust, made us do the work, made us do everything. We were never told we couldn't do it because we weren't Jewish. We were just, we worked with what we had, which was believing these stories. And I, I learned that that's what you could do. As long as you could believe that you see yourself in this character, you could be that character. We'll be back after this break. Grisela, you told us off air about an experience of Edward visiting your high school. So I want you to tell it to Edward and then Edward, if you could respond then to this idea of representation, why it matters. So when I was in high school, I went to high school at PSJ, Far San Juan Alamo. And Edward James almost came to talk to our school, like in person. And he came on stage, didn't even talk about representation or anything. He really just answered some questions. But it was that theater thing that I was just talking about, where I realized, even now, I think years later, what really spoke to me about Edward was the way he performed because it had heart. And I realized there was something about hearing him speak that made me feel like I, as this first generation Mexican, that everybody was like, you're crazy for wanting to act. What are you doing? It just seemed so attainable. The person that was doing it was right in front of my face. Representation isn't necessarily about speaking and talking to people about getting more people on screen. It's about literally sometimes seeing the person in front of you and seeing them as a real person. 
I remember seeing him speak and being so amazed that I lived in the middle of nowhere and got to see him. And that was the moment that I realized if he can do it and he's doing everything, because back then Edward was like the name, you know what I mean? It's like even now, right? You only know like a handful of names sometimes of people working. And I thought he's here at my high school. Oh boy. Um, you know, I, I've been, I live a very fortunate life, very privileged life. Uh, I come from East LA, uh, born on the corner of First Indiana in Boyle Heights. Uh, I was not naturally talented or gifted in anything. I was, a, you know, I was a, a pretty much uh, first a baseball player, then I, I sang rock and roll, and I sang rock and roll for a long time, and I and combined rock and roll with first year at East LA Community College. I went into an acting class. I went from being a person who was struggling through the course of my life. And by struggling, what I ended up doing was I ended up finding out, I mean, such a wealth of strength and understanding of self-esteem, self-respect, and self-worth, which is the ingredients needed to be really all that you can be. You must have a great sense of self-worth, a great sense of self-esteem, a great sense of understanding who you are to the fullest, not as an ego, but as truly giving yourself that understanding and that courage. And so I found that the source for that power was by sharing my life. The more I shared my life, the people around me listening to me sharing my life would turn to me and say, wow, you've really given me. What Christella just did by telling me her story of my impact on her life, I've gotten it throughout my entire life. People come up to me and say, you don't know me, but you spoke at my school one time and I heard you say something and I have been using it ever since. Because of you, I'm here today because I learned how to discipline myself. That's all. Just be the best that you can be. Don't be trying to be better than everybody. Just try to be the best that you can be. Now, what does that take? A tremendous amount of time and discipline of doing the thing you love to do when you don't feel like doing it. And don't forget, ganas. Well, that's it. That's what, that's what it is. That's what discipline is, is ganas. It does take that time, that ambition. And sometimes what people don't realize is that other people are paying attention to you and you're not even aware of it because you're too busy trying to get that discipline. You're too busy doing the work to see that other people are actually seeing you do the work and learning from you. And it's so amazing to me how, to me, that's a side of representation that we don't talk about enough. It's about that spirit. It's about understanding that, hey, you know what? Edward is someone that's been established in this industry for years. He's not talking about how he's, he, he had it. And he's not talking about how it's just like, it just happened. Like he's actually talking about how it took effort. It took discipline. For some reason, so many people in this industry don't like talking about how hard it can be. But that's usually what really helps people to understand that, hey, you know what? If it's hard for them, maybe this is just part of the business. Maybe this is part of the life, that it's just a struggle sometimes. So last fall, over 200 Latinos in Hollywood, uh, they signed an open letter to Hollywood. Uh, They called it the Untitled Latinx Project. And they said, we want more Latinos in front of the camera 
behind the camera. We want better Latino representation on the scripts, on the films. And so far, Hollywood has said nothing. So, Cristela and Edward, uh, your response starting with Cristela. The only power we have in this business is to say no. Every no gets you closer to a yes. And by what do I mean by no? I mean that when I started auditioning, I would only get made roles. And I had to finally tell my agents at that time, I can't go out for these made roles anymore. Because every time I went, the way that I looked, people wanted me to give this thick accent that no one spoke in. And it just felt like such a caricature that to me, I had to say no. My agent said, but that means you're not going to work. I said, well, yeah, I'm a stand-up comic, so I'll go do stand-up. I'll wait. I'll. That's why I did stand-up. People don't understand. I did stand-up because that was the only way that I could write my material and perform it. I mean, I had a sitcom named Cristela, and in my contract, they were like, we're not saying that you're going to play Cristela. You have to audition for the role. I mean, for me to have to audition to prove that I'm the best Cristela out there is kind of ridiculous. So for me, when people do the open letters and say, we need change, I think that I agree. I want to know, what are you specifically doing for that change? What are you doing? Are you just signing a letter? Are you doing something else? What are you doing? You need to show up. You need to support. You need to not judge you know, you need you need to know that it's not a competition, but also know that we're not going to improve unless we realize that um, we really all have to be genuine to our stories. And we have to tell those stories. And I have to tell you, like right now, the past couple of years, I've seen so many similar stories that um, I refer to as agenda porn. It's the same stories, you know, it's like, uh, a regular sitcom can have an episode where everybody bowls. They're like, hey, let's go bowling. We're like, oh, bowling? Bowling is so archaic. Okay, okay, old school. Let's go bowl. And they go bowl. For some reason, you almost feel like if there's a Latino show where we bowl, we never get to the bowling. Because there's always this question, you know, someone is worried, hey, is ice going to be there? I don't know. It's like, oh, bowling, what a big moment for everybody. And then you got to have that monologue where like the older grandfather or grandmother says, mijo, we did not come to this country for you not to bowl. And everybody's like, ah. And that's where the episode ends. And we never go bowl. So like for me, it's like, <laughs> hey, how about showing more stories where we actually go bowl? Normalize what we do. Normalize what like that we're human beings. Like Edward said, tell what's authentic to you. Don't write what you think others will buy. You write what is authentic to you. You do what you think you need to see. One of the things that I will say to this, if you've not understood it, because we, we are very understanding of the difficulty of this problem. And the problem is education, period. Mm -hmm. What Cristela just did was educate us. She gave us an inspiration. She gave us an ability to use ourselves at the highest level by just listening to what she said. And if you take it into heart, you'll move really well. Why? The word why? Why, why did you put the camera there? I'll never forget the first time I ever asked that question. I almost got thrown off the, the set <laughs> by the director. 
I mean, I got, it was so difficult for them to take that somebody would ask that question. Questioning me why I put the camera there? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. I want to know why you put the camera there. What was your thinking process? And the key to the whole thing is education. So what do we do? Right now, I have 1,400 kids in California that are studying filmmaking under my program. The Youth Cinema Project is so powerful, it will make you cry. We teach them about pre-production, production, post-production, all the way into making marketing, distribution, and learning how to build their LLCs. The limited what? liability coverage at the tenth grade, and, and, and I mean fourth grade, and and by the time they get to the tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, they're they're screaming. We've we've said a lot of now. We're not trying to build. Like, listen, we're not trying to make filmmakers. It's not the issue. Uh uh-uh. uh We're trying to make lifelong learners. People who like to learn, and this is just one step in the learning process. They may be able to use it because they will. They'll learn things in in trying to make a film. One of the things that you learn is collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, communication, critical thinking, creativity. Those cornerstones of once you infuse them into the system of the body and into the soul and the mind of 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 the person, and especially if it's a child, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, it's there forever. You know what I was going to say? We have a movie called In the Heights by Lin-Manuel. And, and it is such an extraordinary film. You're going to love it. Dancing, music, uh, the performances. It's Academy Award time all the way across the board. Edward, you know that when I saw Hamilton the first time, it was so beautiful and almost heartbreaking to see like the Schuyler sisters. They're all different. And you know that they're sisters. And to me, I was just like, Oh my God, it's so simple that why did it take till now for people to understand that? Yeah, it just took a hundred years, but I vamos representation opportunities. If Hollywood just gives it to us, we'll make magic happen. Thank you so much for this interview, Cristela Alonso and Edward James Olmos. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Gustavo. Thank you. You can read more about Hollywood's Latino culture gap at latimes.com. We've got a huge package featuring timelines, essays, and interviews with dozens of Latino stars and bigwigs, from Eva Longoria to Congressman Joaquin Castro of Texas. It's out now. Before we end the show, this episode was recorded just before the release of In the Heights, based on Lin-Manuel Miranda's Broadway musical and directed by John M. Chu. This ode to Washington Heights in New York City is a good movie, but the lack of dark-skinned Afro-Latino characters is glaring. Representation matters, especially when Latinos get so few opportunities on big Hollywood projects. Miranda has already apologized for this oversight, but Mano, you cast black actors as the founding fathers for Hamilton, but you couldn't push for one dark-skinned Afro-Latino for a lead role in In the Heights? As we Mexicans say, por eso estamos como estamos. That's why we are the way we are. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, Vice President Kamala Harris recently told Guatemalans seeking to migrate to the US, quote, 
do not come. But critics say her statement ignores how American foreign policy has pushed Guatemalans north for decades. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Stephen A. Cuevas, and Denise Guerra. Our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our editor is Shawnee Hilton. Our intern is Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in Desmadre. Gracias. <laughs>